This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me talking about quite a game. Michigan 48, Rutgers 42 took three overtimes to get to that final. Uh, we're going to stick with last week's format. Just five true-false statements. Um, trying to cover all the bases. I I feel like we do. Uh, you know, obviously there'll be little things we'll bring up along the way. But let's start where the discussion starts. Rough rough game for Michigan until. Cade McNamara got, got into the game. Uh, he finished the game 27 for 36 for 260 yards and four touchdowns. I would argue, I mean, there's a few things that, that Michigan did well once he got in uh, that, that helped them. But I would argue Michigan does not win the game if they put if they wait another five minutes to put Cade McNamara in. That is my personal look on it. And so um Let's do, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase the true false, but it will be discussing Cade and Joe Milton. Um, actually, I got one in my Twitter mailbag story over the weekend, and maybe this is an interesting way to frame it. Joe Milton will not start another game for Michigan this season, true or false. Based on what you saw from Joe Milton, based on what you saw from Cade McNamara, Rest of the season is this is this Cade show? Boy, um, I mean, you're you're. I would assume I would guess that McNamara starts the last three games of the season. I think it'd be hard to. I mean, I, I read a stat after the game that said McNamara was the only the fourth quarterback in Michigan history to pass for four touchdowns and rush for one in the same game. And I know Gardner, he didn't even start the game. Wow. Right. Right. And there was a three quarters (laughs) worth of work. I know Denard and Gardner were two of them. I can't remember who the other one was, but I mean, your first, your first action, that's what you do. You know, like, I don't, I don't, you know, we got to do the whole, uh, but it's Rutgers thing, but still I, I, and up to be a hundred percent. But Steve, real quick, an easy way to shut that down. If it's Rutgers, why didn't Joe Milton do it? Cause it doesn't matter if Caden McNamara is going to win the Heisman. But he sure looked better than Joe Milton by a long shot. Absolutely. So I'll say, I'll say true. I mean, because I, I guess I look at it this way: if McNamara finishes out the season as a starter, starts the last three games, you got to think with McCarthy coming in that there's a good chance that Milton moves on, right? I mean, not to speculate too heavily, but that's just the nature of college football today. You know, is that he got his he got a shot somebody else has won the job and it again this is people the responses I, I even tweeted about it angelique's tweet about harbaugh saying you know that they haven't made it it's like you'd have to be dumb to react to that and say oh how could you not know like they know what they're gonna they know mcnamara is gonna start against penn state on saturday it's not like a big secret 
So real quick with the with Harbaugh saying that he wasn't didn't wasn't going to say for sure, um, and and I don't mean this as like a to say Angelique didn't tell. She asked the question, he answered it. But one thing he included in his answer was that he hadn't met with the team yet. Right, right, and that, since he, the game, and that's key. He's not gonna like he's not gonna wait and t- he's not gonna have it announced on Twitter for all these players like on, right, while they're on the right. bus down to the Schembechler Hall. Like he doesn't want them to find out on Twitter that they've changed. Cause it's a big deal. It's, it's, you know, players, I assume like both quarterbacks, uh, you know, I saw, saw the post game locker room celebration for, for McNamara, but like there are, you know, there's Joe Milton. There's a lot of players who probably better for the coach to announce that in person. Right. hundred percent. In a doing a, dis- doing a disservice to your team to yeah. make it, you know, and he's a former quarterback. I mean, like right. he's putting himself in their shoes too. Yeah, the media has not earned the right to be the first people to know who's going to start, you know, <laughs> the game on Saturday. But what I'm saying was my thing was less about the media than like fans actually trying to like take something out of of that quote, as if you know, it, it, there's no unless McNamara like gets hurt or banged up during practice this week. I mean, it'd be it would take something crazy. You know, I mean, it was, there was, there was big difference in the level of play when he came in on Saturday. So no, I, I do, I got, I'm his, I think, I think the way, and I personally, I do, I feel Michigan handled it on Saturday properly. Actually. I think some think they should have taken Milton out earlier. I was just weird as like, there were two major events that happened that really could have changed the trajectory of the game earlier on, you know, the fumble, because I want to mm-hmm. say Milton was four for four and probably would have been four for four for like 60 yards at that point. If Johnson hangs onto that ball, you know, and say Michigan goes down and scores and goes up seven to nothing. And the drop on third down by Giles Jackson, which to me was, that was a perfectly fine throw uh, back shoulder throw should have made that catch. You know, it's kind of weird. It's like it, it was non Joe Milton errors that in a way almost kind of led to Joe Milton getting taken out of the game even though I still agree. I, I mean, I, it was definitely the right move to go to McNamara. I, I me, To me, it was less of a Milton isn't is like playing terribly as it was. It was just Michigan needed a spark down 17 to zip. And I think we knew going into Saturday that Milton was going to be on a shorter leash. There was almost no doubt. And mm-hmm. I, so I think, so from my standpoint, and I don't think the results of the game are dictating my opinion here. Cause obviously Michigan came back and did win the game, but I think Michigan handled it pretty well. I think you, cause now you can't say that Michigan didn't give Milton a fully fair shake, you know? And, and so I think it makes it easier for them to commit to McNamara going forward. So, yeah, but I think yeah. I do. I think McNamara starts the last three games and if, and if he does, then you got to assume he'd be the favorite going into next year. And like how with a guy like McCarthy coming in, if you're Joe Milton, you may find a better opportunity to play earlier elsewhere or to play or start elsewhere. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And, and for what it's worth, we don't know. We're not in Joe Milton's inner circle. He has never given me the impression that he's someone that would transfer midseason or shut it down or opt out or, or anything like he's, He's been, he's always struck me as a team first player. Um, 
So I, I don't think that's a concern. I don't know if that's a concern fans have, but that I don't think if he transferred, I don't think it would be a decision made lightly. And I don't think it would be a decision made before the season ends. Plus, I mean, if Cade gets hit hard in the leg, you know, it needs like even five minutes to shake it off. Michigan, um, a Milton's back at, at, at QB one, right? So it's, uh, so in terms of that question, there's that. I also think true. I, I think a uh, barring an injury, I think, I think it's going to be Cade's job the rest of the way. And I think the the big thing for me, you bring up a good point. I think he was three for three for 36 yards. Um, including the fumble because he got what 16 yards or 18 yards on that fump on the play that ended up being a fumble. He started out for three for three, but he finished the game five for 12. So you saw a huge drop off in his accuracy. And from my view, I don't have the TV angle, but I had the press box angle. Um, just seemed like he, it seems like he was struggling with a lot of the same stuff he was struggling with before telegraphing passes, not going through the progression of, you know, the different reads, not necessarily looking at multiple receivers, kind of having his eyes on one guy and, and focusing on that, uh, the line drive throws, the throws that kind of sailed a little bit. And this isn't meant to be a dig at Joe Milton, who I think does a lot of things that Cade McNamara can't do. But those are all situation. Those are all things that I thought Cade McNamara did really well Saturday. Felt like he he really understood the progression of of receivers he was supposed to look at. Didn't telegraph passes. Uh, I think I saw a pump fake in there one or one or two times. Um, you know, made made the offense look really easy. I I don't think he did any Heisman caliber plays. I don't think he like. You know, and he he was adding a spark. I don't know if he was carrying the team on his back. And so, but he kept it simple and he just kind of showed a little bit of an it factor. So I think, you know, with Joe Milton, I think he got a fair shake. I think there is a lot there. I don't think he's like, you know, I, I, I don't. People were comparing him to previous, you know, third string quarterbacks who've really struggled for Michigan. He, it wasn't that, but I think when Michigan made him the starter or named him the starter shortly before the season, I think they did so with the expectation that there'd be a little bit more week one to week four growth or week five growth, I should say. And, and Cade came in and looked grown. Right. And so, so yeah, I mean, you got to go with, um, you know, who's, who's playing better. And I don't think it was, I don't think it could have been more clear on Saturday. I think, uh, McNamara ended up with a couple more incompletions than Milton, but on 24 more passes. And Milton was five for 12 for 86 yards. So uh, in terms of next year, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I, very curious debate, maybe one that we'll have in January over whether J.J. McCarthy will start. Feel Feels like he will based on what he's doing in high school, but we also have to see what Cade McNamara looks like. And I think I've said a few times, one major thing on Michigan's to-do list the rest of this season is figure out if they have an answer at quarterback before the season ends. You know, they might go back and forth a little bit. I don't expect them to, but they have to know what they have in both quarterbacks 
by the time they head into the off season. Um, you, you really can't ask for much more than what McNamara did on Saturday. Nope. He, he aced that test. Right. So, and I've always been, I've always been big. I didn't, so I, I didn't poo poo on the three for three drive against wisconsin all i said was oh i remember you poo-pooed on it no no that's not that's a little too far poo-poo is a little bit too far just said like it was one drive you know let's see what milton let's see what milton can do and then you know give mcnamara a more extended shot now it's you know he got his extended shot he took full advantage of the opportunity it's hard not to think there's at least something there i mean you know he I want to say he made one question, one very questionable decision. It was that, um, oh, was it that heave off the back foot into the end zone? I can't remember who he was targeting on the play, but uh, that was it, though. I mean, he and he made a couple die. He threw a couple dimes in there too. I mean, it was it was not a, uh, it was a. I thought it was a really well-rounded performance for a, for a guy making his really his first getting his first extended action. He looked like someone who'd done that a thousand times. Yeah, he did. He really did. That's, that's what it looked like. And I, I think if I, if I were to not make one knock on Joe Milton is I think, I just don't think he has that veteran savvy yet, which maybe that's incorrect. Maybe that's just, you know, maybe I'm extrapolating the context of the games he was in, but yeah, it felt like McNamara again, it's Rutgers, but he looked he looked like he knew exactly what he's doing the whole time. And that's to me, that's pretty impressive because he missed a big chunk of last fall. The practices too, not just games, missed a big chunk of last fall due to injury. Um, really had not seen much time in games before. And you know, he threw for almost thirteen thousand yards in high school. He threw for almost 150 touchdowns in high school. So there is that experience, but I think he also might have a little bit of that quote unquote it factor. I, I kind of get annoyed when people use that, but that's kind of, that's what I saw. I saw a quarterback who um, knew how to make the offense look easy. Yeah. Moxie in there. Oh yeah. (laughs) Post game, post game locker room speech too. Uh, You know, he's, he's, he's ready for this. Uh, I don't know what that means in terms of Michigan's record the rest of the way, but um, you know, has, well, in 92 fewer passes, he has thrown for more touchdowns than Joe Milton. There you go. And to me, that is a sign that um, you have to you have to flesh it out. You have to see what he's got. Put him in every game until until he gives you a reason not to. Because right now there there isn't a single reason for him not to start on Saturday. Right. Uh, one other right. one other oh. no one other real quick thing. Something I have to base. I want to. I want to publicly say this is I got to one thing I have to admit I was wrong on, you know, it was like, I was adamant about that. The running game was not helping Joe Milton, but with McNamara, a checking down and B just being more accurate with the football. It opened Michigan. That's what opened Michigan's running game up on Saturday. I felt like was the pass set up the run. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think and, I think so. Right, and so that was something that I was off on. You know, I think you saw once McNamara got comfortable and started hitting a few a few receivers, that really opened things up for Haskins the rest of the running game. You know, because I think they had at one point weren't they at like seventeen rushes for seventeen yards? I think fifteen for seventeen. Yeah, I mean, at it was halftime. Yeah, very very poor. 
and Haskins himself ended up with over a hundred yards. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's on one thing I was to carry too. Yeah. That's one thing I was wrong on for sure. So I've wanted this just, you know, not afraid to admit when you're <laughs> off on something. So that was something I'd been adamant about though. And I, I was definitely wrong on that. It was clear that, you know, getting the passing game going was, was more important for setting up the run than vice versa. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think the types of passes also further set up the run. We'll talk about this in a moment, but I, I do think Hassan Haskins also kind of kind of put his foot down a little bit. Um, really impressive effort for him, you know, even on plays where it seemed like he would get no yards. He got a couple. Let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. True or false, Steve? There is no hope for Michigan's defense to get better this season. So there are a couple injuries. Well, actually, there's more than a couple. They've got basically five starters missing from the what we would have projected to be the starters in August. Um, five games in, and even Rutgers. Rutgers had not scored 42 points in a Big Ten game since October 2015. It's Indiana? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Might have looked that one up. Um, I'm guessing you looked that up instead I of knowing off the top of your head. Sa- I looked it up on Saturday. <laughs> and then, and they threw for, what, 378 yards? I mean, no of a draw. Oh, I don't mean this as a dig. Um, he's not supposed to throw for 378 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he wasn't doing that against Illinois. He wasn't doing that against Michigan State. Uh, he wasn't doing that against, you know, anybody else. And so... Steve, you're, you've seen this defense five weeks. True or false, there is no hope that it gets better the rest of the season, and, and Michigan's just going to have to outscore everybody. Ah, oh, man. I mean, the the proof is in the pudding, I guess, right? I mean, I, I have to say true, as hard as it is. I would say this. wonder if you agree here or not. I felt like, and I love Cameron McGrone. I think Cameron McGrone could be an, at least an all big 10 player. Like he's athletically. He's, I thought when Shibley and Reynolds came in, I felt like Michigan was more effective defensively. Um, I, I agree. Know, I agree. Right? I, I like, I, I just, yeah. I, that's, that was the feel while watching the game, particularly with Reynolds who, you know, I can't figure out, you know, why Brad Hawkins is, has been as ineffective as it appears that he has been. Uh, we heard Reynolds name more within like a five minute span in the third quarter than I think we'd heard Hawkins in the last like three or four weeks. I, I felt like they might have been, they could, no, they were throwing they, at him a bit more. I think well, even, they had to like, Oh, he's a walk on. Let's just throw it at him until he proves us wrong. Even in the run game though, Zach, he made a couple, yeah. he came up and made a couple plays in the run game too, though. Uh, just, felt like they were calling his name a lot more often. And here's the thing. I think someone on the board was like, made a comment about that. The game tying touchdown that, you know, that Reynolds was responsible. was like, he almost made a play on that. And that was a broken play where the quarterback had the ball for like seven seconds. I mean, that was, you know, not a terrible play on his part. Right. I was just, uh, I thought he was super effective, but either way. Yeah. It's just the numbers are just, they're so bad. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. You know, the draw was responsible for more turnovers than any player in the Big Ten coming into this game. He wasn't even – they weren't even 100% sure he was going to start 
Yeah. That was that was the storyline <laughs> for Rutgers going into this week was if Sitkowski was going to play because Vidral had been so ineffective. And he throws for, yeah, well, you said 378 and three touchdowns. That is just – there is too much talent on the field for them, for these numbers, to the numbers to be this bad against poor teams like that. There's just – there is. I'm sorry, but there's just mm-hmm. – you know, right? I mean, we we saw – you know, Chris Hinton, I thought, played maybe his best game of the season. I thought – but yep. the problem is, is that it's it's all – and I'm not – this is not a – not because Chris played really well. I thought he played – he might have been one of Michigan's two or three best players defensively for sure. But it still just flashes. There's no extended period where Michigan is like, you know, um, in, like uh, pushing their will against the opponent. And I thought the play that kind of, to me, that kind of summed everything up was there were two plays. Rutgers had run that bubble screen to death and it was working, but then they ran that, like that faint, that fainted bubble screen, then ran a slant on the inside on third and like 13 that went for like 16 or 17 yards where to me, it was just, it was clear that their OC had set that play up for like, a quarter and a half and it was like just totally figured out and then the other one was the touchdown in overtime the screenplay where it's like that's where you're just watching it and you're just like they just that's where to me I don't even like I don't look at the players that much on a play like that I look and I say that's an offensive coordinator that has the defensive coordinator completely figured out yeah I mean, and that's so, yep. and that's, that's <laughs> just, it's, it is honestly, man, like not to get like, it's like, that's like, it's like sad to like, just see like how, just how far this has fallen defensively when that's really been Michigan's calling card for the most part, you know, we've talked about the hiccups in big games and stuff, but even, even in a couple big games, you know, that where they gave up a lot of points where, you know, it was like offense couldn't sustain drives. The defense was on the field all game, or there were a couple turnovers that led to like quick touchdowns, like maybe Ohio state. Right. And it's like, now it's like, you know, you got Rocky Lombardi and Noah Vidral combining for almost 700 yards or over 700 yards (laughs) passing and six touchdowns and no interceptions or one interception, sorry, the Hill interception end of the game. But yeah, either way, that's like, it's just, that should not happen at Michigan, I guess. There's really no other way to put it. Don't care if they're, don't care if they're yeah. young, even if they have guys that are banged up and we do, we know they do. And then, and Ambry Thomas didn't come back and, you know, Hawkins was hurt, McGrone's hurt, Hutchinson's hurt, Pay is hurt. To me, doesn't matter. Yes. How about like, Maybe not going to be up to this level that it normally is if you're missing all those guys, but you should still not be yielding that. Even a, a, a we'll say like a one and a half string Michigan defense should not be should not be giving up that many points and that many yards to to Rutgers under a first year head coach and a quarterback who, like you said, wasn't even for sure he was going to start. So, yeah, no, true, I mean he true. was. It's I hard. think he was averaging a. Sorry, I was 178 just gonna say 78 yards a game. Go yeah. ahead. No, I was just, all I was gonna say is like if you're Penn State, you're Sean Clifford, you're Jahan Dotson, you're 
uh, Devon Ford or Kaziah Holmes, you're thinking, hey, this will be the week we can get things back on track or we maybe we can get some stuff going. Everyone else has had right. their best game of the season against Michigan. Why can't we? You know, and it's like, it's like yeah. just, you know, it is. It's it's kind of it's like it's kind of sad, actually. We got to change the joke to uh, it's Michigan, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really, though, like I said, you're talking about, you know, probably at the end of the year be the two of the worst offenses in the Big Ten that just had by far their best games against Michigan, particularly in the air. So, yeah. I was asked um, this weekend, I did I did a mailbag, uh, had some fun with it, so hopefully you guys check it out. But someone asked me, can anything be done about the defense this year? Because, you know, whether, whether fans like this or not, probably, um, probably a net negative if you fire Don Brown midseason. Uh, you can't go and trade. You can't 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 trade for a defensive tackle or I guess in this case it'd be more of a defensive end or middle linebacker. Um you know can't can't make trades, can't invent good out of what you have. And so I think I think I'm mostly true. I think there you know there, I don't really see much of a hope for the defense to improve this season. You know, I think when when I answered the question in the mailbag, one, one of the things I said was can the coaches who make very good livings coaching the players get 5% better out of them. Cause even that would like make a difference because <laughs> you know, they're just, they're, they're that far down on the totem pole and, and it's every position too. I, you know, we've said this a few weeks in a row. I don't mean to repeat ourselves, but like, is there one position on Michigan's defense that didn't have a significant setback on Saturday? I mean, is there one player you were like, well, he was good, but everyone else really just struggled. No, Every position, every role. Um, you know, I guess the one thing that I'm curious about is what you mentioned about Shibley and Reynolds, two walk-ons who come in in injury, and they looked like maybe Michigan's best defensive players. And I, I, I can't help but wonder. I don't like I don't like to question effort because I'm not in practice. I'm not in the meetings. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know what their effort is. But but you have to wonder the way Adam Shibley played. I mean, I think he's actually tied for second on the team in tackles for loss the whole season. And he's not a starter. And it's, dude, it's it's I gotta be. I mean, I gotta be honest. It's people that are that are listening watch it on TV saw it like. And I'm not going to say anybody specific. Oh, I know who you're talking about. There's though. no doubt there was some lax effort out there on Saturday. Yeah. Like, and that's that's yeah. to me that's a always a, a telltale sign that you know I don't know either just a player in general, not anything about anybody specific of personality, whatever. They've either given up on the DC or they're just playing not to get hurt to 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 self preserve their health for their future or something. I, I like, yeah. you know, yeah, you're either underprepared, unmotivated, undercoached. I mean, it, at the end of the day, that's, that's not, um, that's not going to go very far in college football. I mean, you're just not going to win a lot of games. If you're, if you have no, no dig on Shibley and Reynolds, two veterans who actually were probably plus level walk-ons probably could have been on scholarship to a group of five school. But if they're coming in and looking like the best defensive players on this team, that tells you that there are there is a lot of underachieving 
on the defense side of the ball. So in that case, maybe there is a path. Like if they can get their scholarship players to look like their walk-on players when they get out on the field, you know, maybe maybe the defense can be 10% better. But but yeah, it's um five weeks in, really no uh no reason to believe it'll change. I mean, there's there's really no spec no you can't construct a narrative where the defense gets better <laughs> at this point because they've struggled in every way against every single team. Wow. Yeah. I just I I don't know the worst offenses that they're going to play this year are behind them. I know well I just I guess from a talent standpoint cuz yeah Penn State's offense has not been good so far this year but I, I do think there's more talent on their on that side of the ball for them than there is for Rutgers or Michigan State. You're right. I mean there's got Yeah, be. oh like absolutely. I, and Mar- Maryland I I could I still want to see more of Maryland cuz sure. I just sure. I have a hard time but Minnesota's defense is awful. Um Northwestern made Maryland look like they were a high school team. Um and then not sure what to make of Penn State yet, but uh but no, I mean, if, if you can't stop Rutgers, albeit an improved Rutgers team, but but not they're not that improved. I mean, they, they lost it. They scored 20 points and lost to Illinois the week prior at home, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you can't stop them, I don't I don't know who you can stop. Right. I just, so. man, yeah, I don't know. All right, we're going to pause and take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, a couple more questions on the other side. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. All right, uh, thanks for waiting. We are back. Question or statement number three. Michigan has figured out its run game. So we talked about it briefly. Hassan Haskins, I feel like he really had a a, um, you know, dig your, dig your toes in, um, kind of s- second half. He really asserted himself, which by the way, the preview podcast, I said, I think this is a game where Hassan Michigan needs Hassan Haskins to do that. He's a player. I was keeping a close eye on in the second half and overtime, they ran for 131 yards on 28 carries. If they had done that for two halves, game's not going to overtime, right? So, did you see enough, Steve, to believe that there there will be a run game improvement moving forward? I don't think anyone's thinking it'll become a strength, especially not with three starting offensive linemen down. Um, but the improvement you saw from the first half to the second half, do you think that is something that can carry into future games to the point where you would answer the true-false question, Michigan has figured out its run game. Um, I'm still going to say false because I don't think they have figured out their run game unless they have an adequate or above adequate passing game, if that makes sense. I think they still sure. need to be able to pass the ball effectively to get the run game going. To me, it's like too many missed assignments on the interior. And then the other thing, I mean, there were a lot of things on Saturday that stood out to me. Uh, the, the edge block the blocking on the edge for Michigan has just not been good in the run game. Um, Eubanks all 
just not up to par if Michigan is going to try to make the run game, you know, if they're going to try to feature the run game in certain uh, parts of the game, it's like, you know, I think guys like Filiaga, Eubanks have to really make some strides from a blocking standpoint because mm-hmm. both of those guys in particular really, really struggled against Rutgers. Um, so I think that, I think, it, I think it's, like I said, I, I mentioned earlier, I was wrong about, about the running game, about that. It needed to be established that it wasn't helping Milton, whatever is. No, I think it's the opposite. We're in Michigan's going to have to pass to set up the run. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think Michigan, I think they're actually think they're capable of doing that. I mean, they did do it against Rutgers, but I think they're capable of doing it against some slightly better teams. Right. I just, so I, I, but that's the thing is like, I don't, does that say that they've figured it out then? That's where it's kind of a, I don't know, kind of weird way to answer it. I would still say false. Like, I think if, if Michigan came out and tried to establish the run before they tried to establish the pass, I think they're still going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Best way to put it. Yeah. I, I think they figured a lot of it out. I, I think I'd have to say false because I don't think Rutgers defensive front is the worst defensive front Michigan will face the rest of the way. I really am not impressed by Maryland's defensive front. Um, you know, they are playing a big time West opponent, probably not a especially good one after the Ohio state game on October or October, December 19th. Um, feel like Rutgers is an above average big 10 defensive front. And I felt like it wasn't fluky. I don't think I don't think, you know, Michigan caught a lot of breaks in the run game in the second half. I think they just played better and blocked better and delivered. I thought, you know, again, a little bit more on Haskins, just you know, his fall forward rate remains extremely high. You know, another true false that we could have done that we aren't doing is um, should he be a bell cow back? Should they just feed the machine until and then go, you know, go to Zach Charbonnet, Blake Corum, Chris Evans, kind of more in a side role. And I, I, I'd kind of say yes until they prove that they can deliver the same kind of effort. Because that, you know, it was 110 yards. They were an earned 110 yards from my perspective. It felt like, you know, there wasn't some freebie where Rutgers just called the wrong play and he was off for 40 yards. I mean, he he got there snap by snap. Um, so yeah, I think they figured some things out, probably not enough to say that they'll go for 200 yards against Penn state or anything like that. Um, the other thing is, you know, as terms of a number standpoint, they might not run for 200 yards the rest of the game or the rest of the season, because until the defense improves, they're going to be trailing a lot. I mean, yeah, I remember this is, this is how used to, I am to covering Michigan when they scored the touchdown to go up, what, 35 to 27? I was like, okay, so they just got to get one defensive stop and then they can just run out the clock. You know, can can kind of work in this running backs rotation, pad their stats a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and Rutgers did a, what, 16-play drive with three third-down conversions and a fourth-down conversion to, um, to, to tie the game. And then, obviously, overtime just adds to that. So... Yeah, I feel like I feel like they I feel like their blocking improved in the second half. I don't know where you stand on that. Felt like it got better. Felt like they made some adjustments. Right. Um, 
think I need to see it another week to say it's back or it's quote unquote figured out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we say though, they finally split Chris Evans out. Oh yeah. And he made a play when we've been saying that for like two and a half years. So granted he didn't play like he didn't get to play last year, but yeah, (laughs) I think that's a big, no, but that's a wrinkle Four catches for 30 yards on five targets, man. I'm telling you that like, that's a wrinkle that we have been like, just been harping on forever. And like the two back sets put him in motion. You know, make somebody do something. Make somebody figure something out. He, like, when he made that catch, just a basic slant pattern, I had to take a double take to see who it was because it was just it was just natural. I mean, that was just a, a simple pitch and catch. You know, he definitely didn't look like a running back. So Yeah, there was one play because he's, he's number nine yep. and Ronnie Bell's number eight, and I was like, I was like, oh, Ronnie Bell's got some quickness. And then I was like, nope, that's Chris Evans. Right. So. Well, that, and that's the thing. <laughs> I think, you know, it's clear that Haskins and Charbonnet, I think, are the top two. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, Corum, I think, is a great change of pace type. Evans is a guy like that. They need to do that more with Evans. I don't necessarily think Evans is your bell cow, um, you know, bell cow type deal what they need to do in my opinion i think charbonnet needs i still think he needs more carries and i think they need to start getting him more carries in like passing down situations because right now he is he's almost designated as the pass protect pass protecting running back and they're not really giving him the ball in those situations because he is such a good pass protector at the position you know, I, I just to maximize their deal because Haskins, you know, just a great combo of power, uh, burst. You know, it's just really effective. But I don't know, it's just funny. I, I just seeing Evans split out and making just a nice, simple slant <laughs> for a third. I was like, finally, they've been like, we've been, <laughs> we've been saying it forever. So, right, right. He actually last week, um, I don't think he actually registered a carry, but he registered two catches, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had two catches, 16 yards, and um, according to the box score, did not register a carry against Wisconsin. So I wonder if maybe they... I mean, because that's that's one thing about the four-person rotation. You know, everyone talks about the rhythm of the running back. I don't know. I think I've heard experts, like former running backs, go kind of back and forth on that. But um, I think the art of deception is gone when you have four running backs rotating in and they all have very specialized roles. Right. I mean, you brought, bring up a great point about, Oh, Charbonnet's in and it's a passing down. Absolutely. Okay. He's picking up a blitz. Yep. Um, you know, has, you know, it's, it's just like you aren't, you aren't supposed to have a guy who's like, it kind of like with receiver, like when, when they had Eddie McDoom, but they only used him for end arounds basically until teams were kind of like, well, we know exactly what you're going to do. Or Jabril Peppers when he was Wildcat quarterback. It's like, you know, put a guy out there for a few snaps. I like I like rotating. I understand the premise of it, but put a guy out there for a few snaps and make the defense guess a little bit on what he's going to do on that particular snap. So, um, okay, next question. So, Steve, is it fair to 
expect from what you've seen from Michigan, from what you've seen from the opponents, expect Michigan to finish with a six and four record this season. So right now, Michigan is two and three. You've mentioned they've probably played a couple of the worst teams that they're going to play, but they play Penn state who has not won a game yet. They play Maryland who has, they're two and one, but hard to tell what to make of them. They play Ohio state. They play a big 10 West team. I think if it ended today, it would be Purdue, but it's probably a Purdue Minnesota type team. Um, Obviously I think if they win two more games, maybe it might be Iowa. Sure. Uh, And I got to think four wins is getting teams into a bowl game this year. Cause I think four and five would be the equivalent of like a seven and five season or a six and six type season. So if they win two more games, as weird as it sounds, I think they're, they're going to be going to bowl games. So I guess looking at the rest of the schedule, looking at what you've seen, saying what we've said about the offense and about the defense. Uh, is it fair to, to expect six and four from this team, the rest of the way expect no i still don't think so not okay. expect they're absolutely i think they're capable because mm-hmm. penn state stinks you know we i've seen i actually think i don't want i shouldn't say it like that i don't really think i don't necessarily think penn state stinks i think there's something going on in happy valley i don't know i mean i'm not i'm not trying to speculate i'm just saying like they were within a half an inch of beating indiana really they should have won that game they out, they outgained them. They doubled their yardage, and then they they got beat by house. It just feels like they kind of feel like a team that is almost packed it in. Watching them versus Indiana, and then watching them against Nebraska, it looked like two totally different. Well, and Iowa was even worse. Right, I, I think say. Iowa might not be bad though. I mean, no, I agree. I but agree. I, but I, 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 under, I, but I understand. Effort, yeah, but Nebraska stinks though, and they got walloped. I mean, they were down twenty-seven to six in that game, and Nebraska has not. Like they haven't looked good at all, like throughout any game of the season, except for that one. So, but so they so Penn State stinks. Like you with you said with Maryland, and I'm fully on board. I don't really know if we know what Maryland is yet. Ohio State's Ohio State. It would depend on that matchup. I just think Iowa would be such a rough matchup for Michigan because Iowa loves to run the football. They're still they're pretty stout up front offensively. I just feel like it'd be... They really never have an off year on defense. Right, right. I just... Yeah. They're like Wisconsin light, I guess, might be the best no, that's way. That's better than Michigan right no, now. No, that's what, but that's what, I, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. though. So that, that game might... And I'd never predict the bowl game. I don't know who's... I don't know what'll happen there. Um, you know, I never... Because it's... They're meaningless for the most... If it's not a playoff game. But, you know, so no, I wouldn't... I expect is probably too strong of a word. They're, I think they're capable for sure but I wouldn't expect it necessarily because we've seen so little from the defense that there's just such a margin for error there that I just, I don't think you can just assume anything right now with them. Cause if, you know, if McNamara struggles a little bit or, you know, maybe they get another injury, right. I mean, there's just a lot of variables in there that, that for Michigan, I think make it more, make them more volatile right now than a lot of teams. You know, it's just, you can't count on the defense right now against mm-hmm. anybody so I, I would just say capable but i would not expect yeah 
Yeah. So real quick, just on what expect means for the listeners is not necessarily like we're, we're not predicting it, but is it fair for fans to view anything less as a additional disappointment in addition to what has already been a disappointing season? Right. I mean, no one's, no one's going to say, wow, there were six and four. Let's go. You know, like it'd be more, Hey, they made something out of the season. Um, I think it's, almost true i probably can't go all the way i probably probably you know would put it at like a six or a seven so i'll say false and i think you're i think you're right i mean i think the um volatility especially on the defense side of the ball i think the off i i can't imagine in in my view i think the offensive line is bottomed out i don't think it will get any worse i don't think they'll have it'd be very very surprising for them to have four starting linemen injured in addition to having four new starters on the offensive line. Uh, I expect that group to get better. I felt like they got better throughout the game on Saturday. I actually thought Barnhart had a nice game, thought Carpenter had a good game. Um, well, had a good good stretches in the second half. Um, and I think, I think the fact that they seem, you know, we'll, we'll see what it looks like against Penn State, but seems like they got more than a spark. You said they needed a spark at quarterback. They got more than that. They got, um, you know, a, a, I mean, Cade McNamara was plus twenty three once he entered the game on Saturday. If Michigan had won the game by twenty three, certainly would be looking at the next few games, thinking outside of the Ohio State game, thinking, yeah, they can probably win a few of those. So to me, I'm I'm close to true. You bring up a good point about the Big Ten West. I mean, it's Purdue feels like is a team Michigan could could beat. Um, Iowa, maybe not so much. Although Iowa's been kind of up and down this year. Gonna be gonna be an interesting. I mean, they they I think Michigan is making it interesting. I think being down seventeen nothing and finding a way to win. You could, a lot of people are going to circle that 17, nothing deficit and say, well, Michigan's really, really bad. But I felt like that second half reminded me a little bit of the 2015 Michigan team, not necessarily the 2014 team where it's kind of like, you know, I mean, I remember they, they won at Indiana. They won at Minnesota on like these last second plays. They weren't good defensive games, um, but there was a play here and there. And they just they just kind of found a way a little bit. Makes it sound like a more impressive win than it was. But I mean, how many times did you, Steve? Because I know I you know, I was writing the game story. There were a few times. Um, this actually is a oh, shout out to Rod Beard of Detroit News. He he kind of came up with this. But it's like there's the start writing moment of a game. Sure. Michigan had or Rutgers had like four of those where I was like, "Yep, Rutgers is going to win this game. Time to start writing." And Michigan still ended up winning the game. And every time they took a step forward, they took a step back. And that's why they're two and three. That's why I think few are expecting them to finish with a winning record this year. But they also found additional steps forward, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it's it's something interesting. I, I don't know if they necessarily like answered the bell Saturday. They, they should have won that game. They were favored by 10. Uh, I think that was a fair line to set even looking 
at the product on the field. Mental mistakes are still there. But, you know, there's, there's a young team that's, you know, I think, I think the cornerbacks are a good example. Getting better overall. I mean, the numbers aren't there, but I felt like outside of a couple plays, the cornerbacks played well. You know, you're seeing players stepping in for injured players and looking relatively good. Maybe not where they need to be, but looking relatively good on both sides of the ball. I think the you know these next two weeks will be will be interesting. Michigan is absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. They're capable of winning the next two games, and that would not change the outlook of their season, but that would put something on on the table that is they can look at going into you know the rest of the season into next season. Because if you look at who's playing in the game right now, I mean they they can pretty much return everybody that played Saturday. I mean, I think you could probably count on one hand the amount of players who played starter level snaps on Saturday who won't be back next season for the Wolverines. So so it's important. You know, you talk about packing then that's a really important thing for Michigan to avoid. I don't think giving up on the season and, and wiping the slate clean. I don't think that's what they can do. I think they have to treat it like tryouts for next year, like, um, well, like play for pride, you know, build some pride, build some um, internal will within your locker room because you're going to need to draw upon that next year. So, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's fully true as far as an expectation, but I think it's a fair goal to shoot for. Like, I don't think they're crazy. No, absolutely not. For, for, you know, wanting to go, I know their mantras want to know, but yeah, I don't think it's crazy to anticipate maybe. So anyway, uh, I didn't have a fifth question. We do have that aired out segment. Steve, anything on your mind? No, not that we already kind of went over. It was a weird game. I I didn't – a lot of people were talking about the Rich Rod, Illinois game. I didn't see that. I actually agreed with you. I think the fact that, you know, it's a young team, uh, banged up, confidence kind of shaky slash shattered in a lot of areas, questionable effort from certain players, and that the – enough of the team rallied around to come back and win on the road. Um, you know, I, I think that says something about the majority of the character on the team, I guess would be the best way to put it. You know, this wasn't, I, so I didn't really, I don't really see the comparisons to that game. So we'll see if it's something they can build off of. I mean, it seems like they definitely got something with McNamara. I think I just saw here on Twitter while we're recording Josh Gaddis on the radio show tonight and did say it was, a, it was more of a spark type deal to put McNamara in that they weren't really, they weren't disappointed in how Milton played. I, again, I'm fully on board with McNamara now, hundred percent, but I do agree that I just, I don't think Milton had played horribly, but the offense it's one of those funny deals where they bring in a new quarterback and all of a sudden it, it looks like they're calling better plays. You know, like, you right. know what I mean? That's like, that's it's like, you start as like, oh, they must be calling, like, they must be calling the game differently. It's like, no, it's just the quarterback that's in now is, has, seems to have a better grasp of the offense. I did think the first, I mean, 
not to take credit away from Cade, but like what was his second play when Cornelius Johnson's like impossibly open yeah. for like a 46 year. I mean, you know, I think, I think someone tweeted like, um, quote, you know, why, why can't Cornelius get that open when I'm playing, <laughs> you know, it's right. like a fake quote to Joe Milton, but, oh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. but he but, also makes his own luck. Right. Right. To be you know, fair, in a lot of cases. to be fair. I mean, Milton's had a guy, not maybe that open, but close to in each game and has missed them. Right. I mean, you're talking, uh, Corum was open on the wheel route. I think it was against Wisconsin or Indiana, but I know Ronnie Bell against Michigan state wide open by mm-hmm. about 15 yards. So he's had, he had the same opportunities and didn't hit it. And, you know, that might be the difference there, but other thing too, real quick, Cornelius Johnson, not getting a lot of talk, but he's kind of turned into something of, of a guy. I feel like yep. for them, uh, was a dropped nice defensive play. I think I think somebody posted on the board today, Nico Collins probably comes down with that ball in the end zone that was batted out of his hands. Either way, he catches that. He had three touchdowns. He'd had three touchdown catches on Saturday. You know, had over 100 yards receiving. Really, a guy that we had talked about after Nico decided to opt out was a guy that we were adamant, like, you know, this is a guy that maybe needs to step up now. I think for the most part, he's done that. Like, he looks good. So that's nice for them because if he wasn't stepping up or if he was struggling, they'd have, it'd be, it'd be all, you know, shorter, you know, more. Yeah. Like (laughs) speedy slot type guys, Um, you know, but, but for him to step up was big last thing too. So I guess I am kind of airing out here. Loved the energy from both Ronnie Bell and Hassan Haskins. You'd argue that, Michigan, the the bulk of the energy on both sides of the ball came from a former no-star, a former really, really low three-star in Haskins, and then your two walk-ons on defense Yep, with Shibley and Reynolds. Really yeah. says something about... Can't blame it on recruiting. Really, I mean, honestly, though, uh, just, you know... For those guys to be the ones to bring the energy, I think says a lot about, you know, Michigan needs some of these guys to step up and play to their capabilities in certain situations. So we'll see if that, we'll see if the win can kind of turn that around. You know, Michigan, you know, Harbaugh wants to beat Penn State badly. Um, you know, Penn State's there for the taking. Got to think with Fryermuth now out too, that the confidence there is low. I like I'd, I'd be curious to know what the mindset is right now at Penn State. You know, are they are they going to try to rally around and beat Michigan because it always it's it's can like at least kind of turn things around like perception wise to for to beat Michigan or has the Fryermuth injury maybe completely broken them? You know, and are they going to come in as a shell of themselves on Saturday? I mean, it'll be really interesting to see, but yeah. So, so my my aired out you touched on a few points. I think I've mentioned it a couple times. Uh, take, take, I take some, and that issue, little, little surprised at, um, how much is being harped on the 17, nothing deficit, the 42 points allowed. I, I, I don't think Rutgers is nothing. I mean, they cert they certainly are better than they were last season. That has been shown. 
in every, I mean, last year they averaged 5.6 yard points, excuse me, points per game in Big Ten play. I mean, they, the closest they came in any Big Ten game was a 27 to 6 loss to Penn State in the season finale. I mean, they were just so clearly they've taken a step forward. You know, anyone who's looking at the 52 nothing, um, well, my guess is the narrative you're looking for is pretty easy to find. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree. I think I think the first half was very 2014-esque. That looked like a poorly coached team. It looked like a team that wasn't prepared. Um, looked like a team that just didn't really know how to win, didn't know how to get out of their own way. But I think the fact that that a better team showed up in the second half, um, certainly on the offensive side of the ball, I think they scored what twenty eight points in the second half. I I think that I think that's not nothing. I don't think you get to dis, to, to um, brush it aside and be like, no, it was Rutgers. I don't I don't I think Rutgers, the way the level of play that I've seen from watching all their games this season, it's that of a six win team. So certainly no reason for Michigan to, you know, go pounding its chest like, yeah, triple overtime win. But there's something in between that being a great gutsy, you know, come from behind win and being in a, another atrocious showing. So, yeah, so I, I've seen, you know, the national columns. I've seen the um, the message board. And I don't think it's completely unwarranted, but I think I think you can have both. I think you can have something positive that Michigan could gain. Cause one thing, you know, talking to the players after the game, it, one thing they emphasized, they felt like they learned a lot in the game and it's an interesting, certainly would never call this a best case scenario, but it is, if you're, if you're trying to grow your team, you probably want games like this. You probably don't want it to be a 42 to seven walkthrough because then they start patting themselves on the back. They don't, you know, film film sessions are very easy like they managed to not lose, but still have a ton of stuff to go over on film at every every position, I would say. So yeah, I feel like um feel like people are piling on a little bit. And and you know, our, our podcast, anyone who's listened, we don't make excuses for Michigan. We don't, you know, we don't try to save them or sugarcoat anything. Um but I do I do wonder my personal air it out segment. I think it's somewhere in between what, you know, the, the, what the critics are saying, what the fan, the, you know, the optimistic fans are saying it's somewhere in between. Um, but it, it wasn't a complete trash game. I mean, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I'd give it a, a five for Michigan's performance. Homer. So what's that? Homer. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Not once. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. If you liked the podcast, share it with your friends, throw us a, throw us a five-star rating. You know, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Be, you know, show us your, show us your gratitude. Um, <laughs> just kidding. You know, go to, go to the Michigan insider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Got lots of articles about the game. Um, for my, my time in Piscataway, we got stuff previewing Michigan's contest against Penn state. It's basketball season. So we got the you know basketball games too, hockey. Um, ranked as high as they've been ranked in seven years off to their best start in nine years. So lots going on over at 24 seven sports. Check it all out for Steve Lorenz. I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. 
Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.